0: Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to the ILN Talk Show, uh, a free space to discuss film developments in Muslim-majority countries and beyond. Um, and today is our 12th um, episode, and this is our third woman guest um, in this uh, talk show, and I'm very happy to have uh, Ms. Ivy Joshia with us. She's a very particular person, and you'll know why in a minute. Hello, Ms. Ivy. Welcome to our show.
1: Hi, Tastim. Thank you for having me.
0: You're welcome. So Ms. Ivy is a teacher, um, a trainer and women's rights activist um, in Malaysia and this is exactly the heart of our talk today. We're going to be talking about uh, the Domestic Violence Act in uh, Malaysia and in the Muslim uh, world and also in the world in general. Um, And um, before we start, when we were, you know, starting to um, organize this talk show, I was talking to you and Saivi, and we were talking about suggestions about what we're going to focus. And you were like, could we talk about um, how we managed to pass the Domestic Violence Act in in, in Malaysia? And I was like, how we managed? So at the start, it wasn't easy. There were a lot of challenges. So could you you talk about this a little bit?
1: right um i mean first we, have, we, have, we must understand that malaysia is a multi-racial country of course majority mm-hmm. muslim and malaysia is uh is defined as a where islam is the uh is the official religion of the country so quite a number of our policies uh our you know uh the uh the, the way the, the Country is being developed. Does rely on Islamic interpretations and Islamic teachings, mm-hmm. but then again, because we are a multiracial country, even the constitution is very clear that Islam is the religion of the nation. Um, but of course, other religions, as in Christianity or Hinduism or Taoism, Hinduism. are yeah. all you know allowed, or do they do exist? And there is, and we all will have the ability and have the freedom to practice, right? And yeah. what is very interesting about Malaysia is because it's a multiracial country with different races and different religions, we've always learned how to negotiate, you know, whether it is the Hind, yeah. whether it's Hinduism or, or, uh, or Islam or whether it is you know, Christianity. Um, from the very beginning when we started work on domestic violence, we had to unpackage how does domestic violence you know, um, reflected in Christianity, in Hinduism, in Buddhism, in Islam. So domestic violence in this country, the discussion and the public um, uh, debate around domestic violence really began way back in the 80s. So in 1982 in Malaysia for the first time, I was part of the group, pioneer group, a pioneer group of volunteers and members mm-hmm. that opened the first shelter in this country a shelter specifically to uh, give protection to women who suffered from domestic violence now when we opened the shelter we did not say oh this shelter is only for non-muslims this shelter yeah. is only for yeah. you know i mean although people kept saying can everybody come in we were very clear from the very beginning it's a shelter for all malaysian women no matter what religion you're from, whether you're foreign, whether you are a citizen, oh. it's open to all women. It's really great. In 1982, when we opened the shelter, and at that time there was no law on domestic violence. All we okay. knew was that it was very service-oriented. We knew that we had to open a shelter because there was domestic violence cases. And the, when the first phone call came and the women started coming to the shelter, we realised there were many, many obstacles.
0: There must be first, a law.
1: Yeah, There's no yeah. law that's yeah. no law so a woman may go to the police station and they'll go well that's no law it's a domestic problem it's a family problem it's a mm-hmm. private problem mm-hmm. and women's aid organization was very much service oriented at that time but very quickly the social workers and the volunteers so at that time i was a volunteer i had just graduated mm-hmm. from university we soon realized that we need to tackle the law it's just not service you know, yeah. we, we can't say women come, leave your uh, violent uh, relationships. Really yeah. But how do you get protected? So we started, um, you know, uh, talking about a law, uh, a draft law. And again, the women's groups came together. We knew mm-hmm. we couldn't do it alone. So yeah. it was Women's Aid Organization, Association of Women's Lawyers, um, you know, uh, what else, um, All-Women Action Society and a group that was also just beginning to form itself. They hadn't given themselves an official name, but a group of Muslim women who were also gathering in someone's home, Zaina Anwar, who's a very famous Muslim uh, activist. They were Mm -hmm. also gathering and also asking this question, is domestic violence allowed in Islam? Yeah. Right? So in the beginning, when we started talking about the law, Protection, prevention orders. Um, a woman who's able to leave a husband's house and seek shelter someplace because her life is in danger. Very soon we started getting obstacles. I mean, not only from the Muslim community, but generally from people. First of all, people felt, "Oh no, you can't leave your husband." You know, right? I yeah, mean,
0: that kind of mentality. You
1: know, yeah, patriarchy is very it is very strong in. Almost every community Absolutely. all over the world, we yeah. know statistically. Statistically speaking, one out of three women are uh, you know are sexually abused or suffer from some form of violence. Mm-hmm. So when it came to Malaysia, uh, we were very clear that we wanted a law to protect all women. So um, first of all a group was formed, a coalition was formed, and we were mm-hmm. called the Joint Action Group Against Violence Against Women. This was then in 1985. The shelter opened in 82, and then 1985, we said, let's let's you know, figure this out. We need to start going into policy. We need to go start yeah. looking at law. We just can't be looking at services. And- um, so reform- all of this
0: civil society activism, no government involved
1: whatsoever? Uh, initially, no government involved. Okay. We just started mm-hmm. lobbying. We started having public education seminars. We started having events. The first uh, forum or workshop at that time I was there was no government involved in 1985, mm-hmm. and we had our first forum, and it was on March 8th. And as you well know, March 8th is yeah. globally, you know, celebrated all over My the world.
0: Too. I'm really
1: proud of yes. it. Yes, it's your birthday <laughs> too. Oh, you have born on a very special really day, <laughs> International Day. Yeah. Uh, for women, right? Um, so yeah. 8th of March, being International Women's Day, we started having this, we, this began our lobby. And at that time, in the, the first forum on violence against women, we talked about domestic violence, we talked about rape, we talked about pornography, you know, so there are yeah. many, yeah. many other forms of violence. But somehow the uh, campaign specifically on the Domestic Violence Act took off from 1985. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And eventually we got the attention of the government, Okay. And a joint committee was formed Perfect. and we started looking at a draft bill. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there was resistance. So even the government uh representatives who sat in front with us looking at the draft build, they were saying that you know, we, we wanted to make sure that a woman was able to leave the house or even kick out the batterer, you know. Why why should she have to leave the house? I mean That's the, a long the the perpetrator, but, you know, we were told things like, oh, no, 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 the man is the castle of the house, if she has to leave, you know, mm-hmm. um, she has to go and find shelter and so on. And then there was this argument because in a country like Malaysia, we have Muslim Sharia law and family law, Yeah, very specific, Muslim women, they were covered by Sharia law. They were covered okay. by Muslim law when it comes to family. So when it comes to divorce, marriage, uh, you know, um, and, and, and matters like that, comes to yeah. family law, they were subject to Islamic family law. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone like me, I'm a Christian. I'm not. I'm a person of another faith, or what they say, non-Muslims. I am subject to civil law. So then there was argument when it comes to domestic violence. Of course, it's family. It's it could good influence law. It's gonna be it, yeah. be it cannot be covered by a new act or a new bill or a new law. It has to come under family law. So Muslims mm-hmm. will have to be subject to Muslim women have to be subject to the family, Islamic family law. And you as a Christian, you go and get subject yourself to such a civil law. Mm-hmm. And you will not have that. We did not want that. Yeah. Right? It should be the same for everybody. For everybody. Uh, equal yeah. protection. Because in a country like Malaysia, when there are Okay, my geography is going bad at this moment. There are 11 states in this country. I hope okay. I'm right. Okay, There are several states. Each state had an Islamic family law that differed.
0: Different one.
1: There's a different one. There were oh, yeah. some similarities. You okay. know, there are some similarities. You know, for example, child marriage is banned in three states, whereas child marriage is not banned in some like other.
0: federal system, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So,
1: so, becomes Islamic family law is not federal, you know. Each state oh. had the had the uh, the right had the option to implement uh, Islamic family law or any of, for that matter, Islamic law according yeah. to what they want, you know. Okay. And although is pretty similar, so we said first of all, all the different states have different Islamic family law, and it will not be consistent. Yeah. And the crucial point was this. We must not view domestic violence as a family matter. Mm -hmm. It's a crime. Now, what's interesting about Malaysia is crime is a federal matter. So Mm -hmm. if I were to murder somebody, I will not be subject to hudud law. I will be subject to the penal code, right? You know, I may be... You know, I I may be a Muslim and I, I stole some something. I, I'm a robber. I'm a murderer. I'm a whatever. I commit some kind of crime. Yeah. I will not be subject to the hudud law, okay. but I'll be subject to the penal code, which is applied to everyone. So mm-hmm. we had to make the decision, and we made the decision to make domestic violence the bill at that time, which took about almost eleven years to become, you know, a fact. Okay. That law became attached to the penal code we made the law into a criminal law wonderful so, so that was the strategy that that's we what it do. is anyway yeah it. and Perfect. to look at it that way but but it's one thing saying that and finally in 1994
0: it we was passed
1: that, yeah. and that was even even in 1984 the Minister of Women at that time had to pass the law. I mean, she she presented the law like at midnight when all the MPs were kind of sleepy and didn't ask too many questions. But the, the members of parliament were making jokes, and we finally passed the law at in midnight, I can't remember the month, but it was midnight 1994. It was okay. the day of midnight. That's and interesting. Then you, and then you sit back and you go, okay, great. We've been talking about this law, we've been telling... Going around Malaysia, is there everybody, now. yeah. Everybody, the law will protect you. You can get a protection order. You are allowed to take your children away. You'll get a, a, a letter, some kind of an order from the magistrate that we that we sent to the to the to your husband to say he mustn't come anywhere near you. So we're very happy. Mm-hmm. And then 1995 came by, no sign of the law. 1996 <laughs> came by, no sign of the law. They Passed the law, it was not party.
0: implemented.
1: It was not implemented.
0: Okay, okay. So Another battle.
1: The resistance. Okay, you know, which was the resistance, and so in 1996, on March 8th, on International Women Day, Women's Day, we staged yeah. a protest. Okay. But I must also tell you that before I talk to you about the protest, that in order to even get the law. Passed in Parliament, we had the help of sisters in Islam, who by then, remember, the law was passed in 1994. Yeah. In early 1990s, they'd already come out with a, a booklet, of you know, a, a, a title which was very quite controversial at that time, but not anymore. And the title was, "Are Muslim men allowed to meet their wives?" Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, I can see where it was controversial. I mean, of course, essentially, we you and I know, you know, even. I, I, I'm of another faith, I'm not a Muslim, but I can very, very confidently say that Islam is a religion of peace. Absolutely, right? yeah. Right. And how I mean women
0: they, men are told to treat their women in the best of ways, but all of these right. things are happening because of a misconception of of, of religion. It's um, the patriarchy.
1: Yeah. it's yeah, the good old yeah. patriarchy. It's not the religion, yeah. it's just basically the patriarchy. So they they were they were already you know, sending letters to the editor, you know, educating the public, so that the community at large were also ready to accept the law, so that mm-hmm. they, you know, uh, so that the comun- Muslim community also didn't feel that oh no, uh, my husband is beating me, I cannot leave the house, I must get permission. How can he get permission from the actual perpetrator, the very perpetrator, to say, can I leave the house?
0: <laughs> no, doesn't, okay. doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah. yeah. So in nineteen ninety six. Back to 1996, on International Women's Day, we staged a protest. Uh-huh. Uh, at that time, there was a different minister of women. We, a few of us, it was a motley crowd, about 30 people. And you know, mind you, in 1996, I mean, it's, it's a long way from I mean, these days, protests, there are so many protests. <laughs> but at that time, in 1996, we were still very scared. You know, we were scared, oh, will we be arrested? We made sure there yeah. were lawyers on standby and so on. We did a huge banner to say implement the domestic violence act now and the newspapers they they put us on in the front papers
0: okay. and of
1: course the protest was multi-racial it was muslim women non-muslim women chinese indian you know uh, malay mm-hmm. women it was and 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 some men too yeah. and then the debate started again oh okay. no we can't do it we haven't got the approval of the uh, the minister at that time. was saying we haven't got the approval of the, from the Muslim authorities. But remember, the sisters sisters in Islam had already done their homework mm-hmm. over, the, you know, from eighty five right up to nineteen ninety six. They have been talking to the Muslim authorities. Okay. And the Muslim authorities came out to say, you know, we have no, we have no problems with it. Mm-hmm. Let's have a law to protect Muslim women. Let's have a law to protect all. Women in Malaysia,
0: and it was but, implemented
1: then. And it was implemented. It was in, immediately implemented. But mm-hmm. again, I go back to the law is the written law is per could, can be perfect or near perfect. It's all there. You need to get protection. You get. Yeah. You're allowed to, uh, you know, seek shelter. But when but the law in, in was, real life is different. Is different. In real life, is different. In 1996, again, the patriarchy, the culture, what we call the culture of the law. In order for a woman to get a protection order, first of all, she has to file the complaint, make a police mm-hmm. report, and then also make a report at the welfare department. Okay. We've got to go to two places. Mm-hmm. We go to the welfare department. And the welfare department, the poor welfare officers, who don't want to do this, but they were told that they need to save the marriage first.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: So yeah. there were all these steps. that we were, uh, we were wondering why was it taking such a long time to get a protection order? Because the welfare officer in 1996 was told, was against was they were instructions. The in yeah. Save the marriage, call the husband, call the man in, try to get him to change. But we know domestic violence doesn't work like that.
0: I mean, right? these things do not change overnight. Even if you have a low past, it, it gets you to, to change the culture. And, and this, you know, you know, it takes time, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I actually so wanted to ask you particularly about this, this, um, yeah. this very detail.
1: It's not going to turn up at the welfare office and say, say I'm a changed man now. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: We yeah. are so waiting and waiting for the perpetrator to turn up. And, of course, there's a delay in protection. So, again, we have had to continue lobbying to say immediate protection. When it comes to yeah. domestic violence, you can't wait. In fact, when the wife leaves, all over the world we know, and this is a fact, the time when you leave the, your, your family home, the home where there was domestic violence, yeah. that's the most dangerous time. You need mm-hmm. protection. You need a police order. You need a court order. So yeah. then, thankfully, I mean, they listened to us because the shelter was still running, right? Women's aid organization. We were still having those experiences, so we were sharing the actual reality on the ground, mm-hmm. uh, lived realities of women, and we said we need to get immediate protection. We can do all the counseling later, but get yeah. the court order. Yeah. So now we can get. An emergency order within 24 hours.
0: Perfect, perfect. So it took, it took a lot of time, um, it took a lot of time, and um, I, back to my question earlier um, on this as well, when you when you look your name up, uh, all we can see on on, on on the internet is that you have been described as helping to put domestic violence on the national agenda, and you actually oh, said that you never saw it as charity work, but it's activism, um, so a lot crazy. of people see it as charity work, or it's just, a, just some good work, and you know, to save the marriage, and all of these good things. Uh, why do you think we have to we have to fight to put this on, on national agenda? Why do you think it's actually rather activism? It's not something, a good deed or anything like that. That's the mentality
1: even now, yeah. right? We, we, we're really challenging the patriarchy, aren't we? We're challenging institutions. We're challenging men's power. We're, uh, and it cannot be done. You see, there are two components here. Yeah, I do not like, like the word charity because charity means I am up here. And I look down and go, oh, you poor things. Let me help you. Let me pull you <laughs> up. You know, yes. as a feminist, I think all we mm-hmm. all are equal. When a woman suffers from discrimination, I too understand what you're going through because I may not, you know, experience domestic violence, but I too have experienced discrimination. All yes. of us as women have this, have experienced some form of violence against women. I say that very confidently you're yeah, harassed yeah. sexual harassment you get up on a yeah. bus you travel on public transport people touch That's you grab you know. yeah. so so we are in this together we are walking together we're not like oh you're there and we'll help you and so on so activism i like the word activism because activism is to advocate is to bring about change and change about over, over time doesn't come easily doesn't come. Of course, it comes with negotiations, yeah. but it also comes with a lot. You have to confront the issues. Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. to confront the issues. I mean, okay. I say the story many, many times. Many people said to us, the, the activists and the volunteers of Women's Aid organization, in in the 80s, they said, "Oh no, no, no! Malaysian men do not beat their wives. No, no, no! This only happens in the West, right?" Okay, and guess what? Shelter is still up and running, still having lots of clients, Still, women are still coming. So, yeah, activism, Mm -hmm. I prefer the word activism. It means actively actively doing something about it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, We're not passive.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of the, the shelter that's still up and running, um, based on statistics uh, published by your organization, the Women's uh, Aid Organization, there were uh, more than 5,000 reported cases of domestic violence in 2018. And mm-hmm. the statistics also show that the majority of both domestic violence survivors and perpetrators are individuals between the age of 26 and 35. Do you think these numbers increased now and um, has COVID played any role in this?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, just for the record, I'm no longer, um, you know, working for women's aid organisation. I retired, yeah. and I put it in inverted commas because a family just never retires. We are always absolutely. doing something, yeah. right? Um, so I retired in 2015. And uh, so during the COVID period, you know, women's aid registered a higher number of phone calls to the organisation because COVID was a time, and this was an experience that, it was happening. It's a phenomena. It was happening all over the world. You know, can yeah. you imagine? It's COVID. you are stuck in the house.
0: You're stuck together. You don't have
1: the freedom to leave the house and go to work and have that respite and have that time at the you office have you know, yeah. to have that space. You're in the house.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, there's a lot of frustration. There's an economic, economic downturn. And the children are in the house. The children are witnessing this tension. Yeah. So there were an, an increase in domestic violence uh, reports. Even children were calling the children's helpline because they were witnessing all of this, the fighting mm-hmm. that's going on. And um, so what we did in Malaysia, not all over Malaysia, but in the, the state that I stayed in, in uh, that I live in, uh, they actually initiated... Uh, 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 you know, uh, a helpline where women could leave. They couldn't come to the shelter because the shelter was at that time shut down because it meant you needed to be tested and so on. So things were not operating the same way. So mm-hmm. the slango government actually yeah. started opening some hotel. They booked hotel rooms. Oh, and, you know, women were allowed to go to the hotel rooms and live there on their own because mm-hmm. it was very. It's a very strange time. It's not like, you know, we could go to the person's house, rescue her, or she could come out because we're not allowed to get out. Yeah, yeah, There was a movement control order. hotels allowed. are
0: empty anyway.
1: Sure. This was a situation which was ripe, which was so conducive for a perpetrator. I have you trapped in the house. Can you imagine what horrible. what a horrible... Terrible environment it must have been for women and children,
0: yeah.
1: or matter anyone who's being abused in the family. I mean, it, it can be also boys and men too, but, of, of, but obviously, it's an epidemic when it comes to women. You know? yeah. Um, so yeah, COVID was a bad, bad, bad time when it came for mm-hmm. women who was, mm-hmm. who was exposed to domestic violence. It escalated.
0: Glad it's over now. I mean, almost. <laughs>
1: um,
0: yeah, we're never sure about that.
1: We can't say the yeah. same for violence against women, right?
0: <laughs> we hope, we hope, we hope one day we can say that. Uh, I have a very strange question, but a lot of people are asking it. Um, have you ever encountered any case where the perpetrator is a woman?
1: Yes, uh, very rare. Very, very, very rare. I have. Um, i mean i think look i'm 67 years old i've been doing this work for almost 40 years right okay, and okay. obviously the majority of cases that i've handled will be women because you know you're a women's rights activist you are yeah. uh, putting it out there women you know come to us come to our organization you no know, you can talk to us but there has been one case where uh the um the, the man was being battered and mm-hmm. it, it can happen i mean because at the end of the day, domestic violence is about power, right? It's yeah. a way of controlling someone You're in an intimate relationship, right? It can happen, yeah. you know? Um, where, But I think the important ingredient that you must have when it comes to domestic violence, was that person who's the victim? Was that person, be it a man or a woman, was that person living in fear? Yeah.
0: Yeah. it's about So therapy. people tell me about,
1: oh, my wife shouts at me. You know, I'm I, you know, I, I'm you know, also a suffering from domestic violence. But are you afraid to go back to the house? Are you afraid that, you know, in the middle of the night, you're going to be, going to be woken up and be beaten? I mm-hmm. mean, there were cases of women who said, look, I changed my behavior. I did whatever he wanted to do, and I just didn't ask any questions. And yet he wakes me up in the middle of the night and says, how come you're not asking me any questions? So I think if men suffer from oh, domestic geez. violence, very important to ask Are you living in fear? Is there a yeah. cycle? You know, yeah, it is. So there's a criteria when it comes to domestic violence. So, yeah. you know, so yes, there is that's so only been one case that I know of. Oh, and wow. of course, men it was difficult to come out, it's very difficult for men to say, and this is to do with the gender construct. And, and that's so
0: why women's activism, um, you yes, know, like,
1: like. Yeah,
0: go to to someone like you and your organization back then.
1: Beaten, yeah, you know you. It's hard because people don't like to accept the fact that men can be beaten. Men can be can live in fear that men can be bullied, but we all know in real life. Yes, of course, men can be bullied, especially men who are uh, you know who display feminine traits. They are bullied. It's a form of violence. In schools, you see that you know men who are young boys who are looking, who are behaving in a more feminine way, they do get bullied. They get beaten up. They get raped even, you know. Uh, I mean, look at the pattern here, Tasnim. Yeah. Everything that's feminine is is despised. It's as if the feminine is something to be...
0: It's really hard to hear it
1: in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's the truth, right? I mean, stop. act like a man. Come on, you know. Don't like a, like a woman. Don't cry mm-hmm. like a woman. So yeah, I, I think um, and this is why smashing the patriarchy frees everybody. We don't want men to have to be trapped in their gender roles too. Yeah.
0: They're victims too, in a way, in a sense. Also,
1: they yeah. are also having to play a particular role. You mustn't cry. Mm. You mustn't tell anybody that you're being beaten up. You know, and we're talking not only about husband and wife. It could be a son. Yeah, it could be a yeah. young boy beaten up by the father. Yeah. So it could be a young boy beaten up by the mother, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. So perpetrators who are women can also happen in this context.
0: Okay. You asked me okay. earlier
1: about a man being beaten. And uh, we started getting in women's aid organization around about the 90s and the mid-90s, even until now, we started getting domestic workers from Indonesia, from the Philippines, uh-huh. from Cambodia, from Vietnam, and they were running out of the household because they were being terribly abused and tortured by the employers.
0: Oh, yeah, that's another story. all
1: the cases that came up to us, it was the woman who was the perpetrator. But obviously, the man is also living in the house, and Mm -hmm. they both are, you know, party to this, but the woman was perpetuating the violence. So this was dynamics altogether, but Mm -hmm. at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, it's power dynamics, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Here's another question. Uh, have uh, Have you ever encountered a case where the woman was actually lying about domestic violence, about, suffer- about being a victim of domestic violence? Because as you know, recently the world has witnessed the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard um, you know, trial that was televised. And a lot of men actually felt they avenged themselves through Johnny Depp because they're no longer the perpetrators. They're the victims now. Um, so what do you think of that?
1: I mean, that's a bit of a sweeping statement to say now men are victims, right? You know?
0: That's what they said throughout social media.
1: Yeah. So let me take your question part by part. Have yeah. women lied to us?
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: Okay. Very few have lied. What have they lied about? Mm-hmm. So, for instance, a woman comes to us, she seeks, she seeks shelter.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, And she doesn't talk, tell you about an affair that she's having because she's afraid okay. if I say if I have an affair, you're going to judge me. Mm. You know, and she thinks that maybe I do deserve the beating because I had an affair. Okay. And I'm not saying all women who are domestic violence victims or survivors are having affairs, but they hold back this. And then, okay. then of course we reassure them there's no judgment here. It doesn't matter if you are, you know, the most terrible woman. You're a, you know, some of the, the the perpetrators will call us up and say she's a bad wife, she doesn't know how to keep the house clean, she's a terrible mother it doesn't matter if you're the worst mother in you are a worst mother you're a terrible housekeeper you're a bad cook yes you had an affair all of these so called misbehaviors or doesn't yeah. mean therefore you deserve to be battered our tagline at that time was no one deserves to be battered yeah so they tend to lie when they think you're judging them mm-hmm. but has anybody lied and said the husband beat me, my boyfriend they beat me. They made up the story completely. No, I have to say, it was very, It's in my experience, no. No, okay. Do they lie about the kind of violence? Do they lie about the context and the the relationship they, they have? Yes,
0: they mm-hmm. may lie
1: about that, but never about the beating, you know. Okay. Um, so, of course, the Johnny, Depp, Amber Heard. Oh dear, oh, dear, oh dear.
0: I, mean, I have to mention it. We're talking about this very subject. I, know, I, know, I, know, I, know. <laughs> I mean, I and it's really a very peculiar thing. I mean we are we're used to I mean, the opposite thing. You know, it's
1: I know. It's actually and everyone the opposite. So pathetic, right? Uh, suddenly Johnny Depp the victim, right? And I and I do believe that Johnny Depp was hit by his wife, Amber Heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also believe by looking at some of the videos were shouting at her. We yeah. heard about you how, can tell
0: because you're an expert in here. I mean, you can yeah, I
1: don't know. Know if you follow it closely. I mean, the science because you know, a, perp- a domestic violence perpetrator is not just physical beating. Mm-hmm. Okay, remember the perpetrator creates an environment of fear. Yeah. The perpetrator, you know, tends to wants to control your life, will tell you what to wear, who your friends are, isolate you from. Your, your people from your mm-hmm. family your friends and then there's also physical beating but after a while the physical beating stops you just have to just look at the person and this is really enough it's all about yeah. control right so in the case of Johnny Depp I couldn't help but ignore I, I, could, I could not ignore the fact that he was slamming doors he was slamming uh, not doors he was slamming the uh, kitchen cabinets apparently mm-hmm. he was call, uh, you know, the studio, uh, to ask what this Amber Heard doing, uh, he yeah. would tell her what to wear, um, who she with, he was very, very possessive and very suspicious. Again, another trait, perpetrators, male perpetrators tend to be very possessive about their wives and girlfriends.
0: But it you doesn't know? mean that he's uh, he abused her like physically, doesn't it necessarily a, mean.
1: It's still abuse, it's still mental violence. Okay. Oh yeah, but mental, it, violence. mental violence, economic violence, psychological violence—call it whatever it is—is it its still psychological violence and mental violence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No telling mm-hmm. you that you're ugly, telling you that you're you're cheap, you're a slut, you know. Yeah, so yeah. I could not ignore that some of the evidence that was coming out was about the control over his wife Amber Heard. And of course, I could not ignore the fact that she was also fighting back, and or she was also inflicting injury to this man, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, my very simple answer: I think they both were very abusive to each other. It was obviously a very toxic marriage, you know. Yeah. But yes, the jury said that Amber Heard invented lie, invented stories, and she did it with malice. It may well be true. I, I'm not going to judge all of that. All yeah, I, I can yeah. see is, oh my God, these two people were very toxic. They hurt each other very yeah. deeply, hurt each other physically and mentally. And obviously, you know, in terms of yeah. the, 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 it was just was an ugly relationship. But it doesn't mean now we stop believing women. Yeah. It's a case That's of. That's what happened. Man bites dog. You know, when the dog bites a man, it's quite common. When man bites dog, we go, oh my goodness. So in this case, just because there is apparently or allegedly a case where she had injured or caused domestic violence or you know, against Johnny Hurt, it doesn't mean that now we can say, hey, see, I told you all along, women are lying.
0: <laughs> that's, what, yeah, that's what we kept reading on social media.
1: This yeah. is the danger. Yeah. And this is how toxic the environment is out there. See, I told you what women lie. It reinforces mm. the whole notion that women lie. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. even say that. you know in May allegedly, and I want to say allegedly, you know, Amber Heard lied and invented stories. Yes, she, she. That's very damaging. If that's all. That's mm. true. But mm-hmm. it doesn't mean I'm going to stop you have to stop believing women. Can you imagine the, the many, many women out there who are so afraid? now to say anything because they're going to say oh you're lying you're an amber heard
0: yeah that started to happen that started to happen i mean it yeah i mean these this and case
1: it, go ahead. yeah and it was very very weird i mean every time you turn on your youtube your social it's media everywhere narrative was geared to be anti amber heard and pro johnny depp and i, I mean, can't maybe- help you.
0: Maybe that's the truth in that case, but it does not necessarily mean that it's the truth with all women and men, right so
1: but also I'm questioning the the p r behind this, you know mm. because it's very easy to keep putting out negative things about a particular person, right it, it, You can manipulate social media.
0: Well, it happened to him, right? I mean that's the, he was her for six years. I mean, the narrative was against him. Now it changed. So yeah. I mean, both of them are, are are victims. That's all I can say. I mean, I think you're conclusion. right. That's
1: very well put. Yes. I think both are victims. Both need help, and um, and and also because we've had cases of uh, many women who. Who told us about uh, their partners, their husbands or boyfriends when they get very drunk, when they're high
0: mm-hmm. on, uh,
1: you know, drugs? They yeah. tend to be more violent or tend yeah. to be, you know, and and completely forget what they did, right? So yeah. and it was that, and it was a fact, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. you remember, uh, sorry, what's his name? Uh, Johnny heard was an is an addict or was an addict. I'm not sure, but certainly he was also. You know, addicted to cocaine, and yeah. so hopefully, you know, all of them will go out and get hopefully, he'll get some help on that too, right? But yeah. I'm not going to say definitely, oh, you know, Johnny Heard is a very nice man who didn't hurt a fly. No, I yeah. think he too caused harm, she too caused harm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was just yeah.
1: really ugly, yeah. yeah.
0: So, um uh, you worked your work was focused mainly on um, on Mal- in the Malaysian context any yes. idea about other countries uh, Muslim majority countries or even you know the West um, on these cases like um, domestic violence
1: well i I not not only work in Malaysia I also work in the Asia Pacific because I belong okay. to quite a number of regional organizations uh, we uh, we train I have been I've participated in training of in of women activists from France, from um, India, Sri Lanka, Philippines, Kyrgyzstan, training them how to use the UN system, training them how to use CEDAW. CEDAW is a women's treaty. So yeah. I do work yeah. with quite a number of women's groups, and I what still have you continue to work with other groups. Yes, of course. Everywhere in the country, everywhere in the world, the one thing that brings all of us together. In fact, if we look at the women's movement, the global women's movement, one of the first um, issues they took up uh, up is uh, is violence against women. They had Mm -hmm. tribunals. They had, you know, um, they had uh, what's this called? Campaigns uh, uh, against violence against women, and to recognize that you know the violence in the home is happening. Yeah. In the beginning, the women's groups were fighting for the right to vote, the right to, uh, what's this That's called? How it started.
0: Uh, yeah. The, it,
1: it was all outside the house, the right to work, the right to right. vote, political. But Now back to the house. the house. What's happening mm. in the house? And the yeah. global women's movement, the early feminists were really focusing on violence against women. So Taslim, you're right. It doesn't matter which part of the world I travel to. In fact, I'm in the middle of, a tr- of, of, of training uh, educators from Nairobi, from the Philippines, from Nepal, from, um, you know, from uh, Brazil, from Canada. And in the room is, is a very multi-racial, multi-country mm-hmm. group of participants. And they all will tell you the same thing, that mm-hmm. violence against women, that domestic violence, sexual har- harassment is very much an everyday occurrence in their respective countries.
0: How, how about the laws in, in, in each of these countries? I mean, for example, in Tunisia, um, we're very celebrated um, in Tunisia yes. here that we have yeah. the, the personal, um, you know, the code of uh, the, the code of personal, um, you know, there's like um, laws um, uh, for women and we're very celebrated in the region because we have these laws that protect women um, and stuff. Uh, sorry, code of personal status. Um, but at the end of the day, I live with this country and I know that there are many, many cases of domestic violence happening every day. Um, so the fact that the, a law, a very successful one, a very drafted uh, in a very beautiful way is there, doesn't mean, as you said earlier, that in real life it's, it's, it's practiced and implemented. So is there any country in the world where there is such laws and they're actually implemented? Because I'm
1: getting hopeless here. <laughs> it's, not the, it's not about the existence I, of the really law. Because there are laws in most countries, right? Yeah. And, uh, i can't think of any other country i think most countries have some kind of a law it could be you know in the penal code obviously every country has some kind of criminal law that says you cannot hurt anybody you know, you cannot hurt anyone it may not be specific to a wife or a woman but you cannot hurt anybody but are there any countries that has that any countries that have a domestic violence or law that is perfectly implemented
0: Mm-hmm. Perfectly
1: implemented. I wouldn't say
0: perfectly, but at least like, like partially. Or
1: yes, I would say yeah, yes. yes. Because I have I have had the benefit of traveling to some of these countries, uh, like you know in Australia, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, very specifically, I know in America, uh, because violence is very very high. It's one out of three women, and yeah. I think it's like every three hours, you know, or every four hours, you know, some woman is sexually being abused in America. Wow. I have gone to to the different states, and again in America, there are different states and different levels of implementation. Yeah, yeah, definitely, there's a lot of support. You know, there are the the police have got domestic violence units. Mm -hmm. That means it's a unit that's that's very specific. Police are trained to go into someone's home when you get, when they get an sos or get an emergency call they need to go like in the uk not only do they go to the homes they take cameras to take pictures mm-hmm. of the damage mm-hmm. in the in, because you know when you walk into a house there, might, there may be furniture might be damaged emergency. you know may, yeah. might this the this crime scene is there you know mm-hmm. um so police are trained to separate the man and the woman to ask the questions because very often when you there's an emergency call you may enter a home and you know you may say everything okay ma'am and then she says it's okay i'm okay i'm fine because you are asking that question in front of the perpetrator yeah, so police trained like this is happens in australia in uk and even in singapore i must say even singapore has got very good training of mm-hmm. police to separate the, the two parties and to make sure that you the woman is told what what asks this question quietly and in a separate room and if the woman says nothing is wrong everything is fine the police person slips uh, a phone number secretly okay. to her so that she may call another time mm, mm,
0: that's, that's
1: very effective like it. yeah it's very effective so because we know we understand that domestic violence is very much a hidden problem and women don't give up on their marriage that easily. And also because of fear. Because he has told you, if you ever leave me, I will kill you. If mm. you ever leave me, I will kill your mother. If you ever leave me, I will kill your our children. I will kill your yeah. pet. So that you must... Remember I said the component of fear is really important. Yes, yes. So, yeah, there are, of course, many places where, you know, the, where the response is quick. Mm-hmm. Like in America... I never was able to go to a shelter because it's, it's, it's a big secret. I can't go to any shelter. Okay. It's like a fortress, the shelter. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in, in America, I noticed that, you know, a lot of wh- the uh, fathers will say, but I have a right to see my children. But we all yeah. know through experience in domestic violence situations, he will see the children and kidnap the children. Yeah, kidnap them. So that she comes back to him. Okay. So, so okay. many of these stories. You know where we are called yeah. to rescue the children. In America, the court says yes, you are allowed to see the children. The children are brought to a particular place, which has got security. Yeah, he enters the house, and he plays with the children. She, the mother, is not there, mm. and then she has to leave. Okay, that means it, it is monitored. Mm-hmm, it is
0: mm-hmm. monitored. Do you think there is a yeah. Do you think there's a difference between um, Muslim majority countries and non-Muslim um, countries in this regard in implementing these um, um, these laws, if ever they exist in the first place? Oh, no,
1: no. I, I won't be so quick to say that, you know, it's worse in Muslim majority countries because I, I haven't really done a uh, in-depth survey about this. Because we, I live in a Muslim majority country. We yeah. now have 24 hours protection, you know. So um, I would say that it's worse in countries which are still steeped in patriarchy, right? Okay, nothing to do with religion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I mean, I don't... Look, India. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Mm -hmm. it's... In fact, India is a... uh, where, where, you know, it's Hinduism, and, and of course, they have all the other religions. They also practice other religions too. Yeah. Uh, it's a very, very um, so steep in religion. There are a lot of problems in India too. So it's not yeah. a Muslim problem or a Hindu problem or a Buddhist mm-hmm. problem. or for that matter, America, which is basically a Christian uh, country, right? I mean, I'm sure some mm-hmm. Americans will, will, will be very offended when they say it's a Christian country, but you know, <laughs> it's not completely the secular, yeah, really. Secular. The, it goes back to good old patriarchy. It really mm-hmm. goes back to patriarchy, right? It, yeah. it, I mean, I really do not think it's worse because it's a Muslim country. That's because really here,
0: like if, yeah, Yeah. If we talk, to, if we talk about Tunisia, for example, these uh, this code of personal status is presented as a Western triumph against Muslim values that they don't really believe in and they think that muslim islam is linked to patriarchy but it's not It's not correct. I mean, women in Islam are really, you know, protected through so many things. And, um, you know, even the Sharia guarantees um, a lot of rights to her. And everything that's happening in the name of Islam is because of a bad understanding of of the religion. So that's why I asked, because these kind of laws are are often presented to us as as, as, uh, secular and progressive and and, and Western. And they're celebrated as such. But uh, for you as an expert, that's not true.
1: That's not true at all because I think, I mean, it's one of the reasons why Sisters in Islam, based in Malaysia, and also quite a Mm. number of groups, I'm sure, elsewhere too, started going back to the text, started going back to the Quran.
0: Mm.
1: They wanted to go and read it for themselves to say, is this true? Is this really true? Can a man actually have four wives? You know, very, very strict conditions. Are you able to... Fair and just and and yes, love speaking everybody.
0: of polygamy, yeah. I mean in, in when it happened, it was actually restricted to four only. The world was polygamous before. They used to have like twenty and thirty women. It only it was restricted to four with conditions. So see it's
1: exactly yeah. As I, and I, if you we were to follow the letter of the law, it would be impossible to love two women, three women, four women equally and make sure that be, house, every be woman every woman Yeah, Yeah. so it's really actually almost impossible, right? So I think what people are not knowing, what we need to do is to really make sure that the world knows that there are Islamic scholars, women's rights activists and feminists who are Muslim who are reinterpreting the law, who's bringing in jurisprudence that's more progressive and breathing life into Islam we tend to only hear bad news. We do not tend to hear all the good things that are happening, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you know, al Hazar yeah. University, al Hazar, in, is it in Egypt? Is Al-Haza yes, in Egypt? Yes, in yes. Egypt. I yeah. mean, they they, they they came up with a research to say that child marriage should not be allowed, right? Yeah. I mean, they did the research, they could, but no one seems to know about it. All we can say, oh yeah, you know, the Muslims, they all marry when they're young. Hello, yeah. Indians and Hindus also marry when they, are, they had to ban yeah. child marriage. So yes. I think it's a, it, th- This is a phenomena that we have, you know. That mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. it's not word. the word is not phenomena. People it's just a love sensi- yeah. sensationalizing. The world likes to think badly of Muslim nations, and again, that's what I meant by a false narrative. It's all mm-hmm. engineered, that's name. That's what I meant by Johnny Hurd and the narrative i want to know yeah. how many people were you know there were all these you know good press about him good you know there were and
0: the funny thing is that on, six, for six years the
1: right the funny
0: thing is that for six years it was the opposite the pr was against him so yeah, yeah. you're right maybe it's engineered i mean now the te- the tendency now. was yeah, the tendency was to hurt men and now the tendency um and the you know the world wants to wants the men to be you know the victim and to appear now right, right. so, so it's really sad
1: yeah it's really bad pr i mean there is bad pr people like to keep promoting bad pr about islam who people like that And to... know exactly who is controls that that is why you have to go back to who controls the media, right? Who controls the internet? Who controls these false narratives? And and that's why I feel very lucky to be in a country like Malaysia because, you know, it's very easy because we have seen for ourselves because we had to deal with the religion because Mm. we wanted children's rights, we wanted women's rights. And we were very lucky to have sisters in Islam working together because it is, you know, what is interesting about Malaysia is that Women's groups come together and work together. We don't say, mm-hmm. oh, you are not a religious group. You are a religious group. We all come together and work. We just want to do good. And we will look at religious interpretations. Someone like me, even though I'm a person of another faith, I'll talk about Islam because as long as Islam is being used to formulate public policy, yeah, I'm going to say something about it because I'm a citizen, right? Yeah, And that is the the kind of empowerment that we have, you know, not everyone, of course, I'm also, not everyone talks like this in a frank way. Of course, I know that
0: you're very rare. I mean, that's really precious.
1: I mean, mean, a lot of people don't like it. They say, why is she talking about Islam? She's not Muslim. And I'm going, yeah, I'm going to talk about it because it affects Mm -hmm. my life. Because Muslim women's suffering is also, you know, I'm not going to keep quiet, right? So, in a country like Malaysia, we have learned to grab the mic and we have learned to just create the space for ourselves we don't wait Mm -hmm. for it to be given to us um Mm -hmm. so going back to your original question is it worse in muslim majority countries i think it's worse in any country where the patriarchy is strong and guess what the patriarchy patriarchy is very strong in most countries (laughs) except i think is in mm. Europe. I think there, you know, you can see it, you know, where you can see equal numbers of pe- uh, leaders, women leaders. You see cabinets with an equal number of, you know, lots of women leadership. Mm. You can see when there is equality in almost every aspect of their life, be politics yeah, or economic. It reflects
0: on the, on the house.
1: Yeah. Definitely. It, it, it reflects the society to then enjoy it. Okay. But as long okay. as societies are, are being controlled and led by only one party, in this case men, or mm-hmm. if for that matter only one sect or one one group yeah. of people, then there, that's going to be problems. We have to have diversity.
0: All right. Last question. I'm really enjoying um, this 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 um, this show with you. Um, last question. Um, do you have have you ever had men who were um, you know working with you um, in this um, in this in this thing like who are for this activism who are touring the world who are working with you in the association or any other kind of, um, of work.
1: Yeah. Yes. So this is this, this is where I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you a story where I was very prejudiced, right? Okay. Uh, I was very prejudiced. So, women's aid organizations started by women, the staff were all women. And, you know, it, and round about when I became the executive director, so first I was a volunteer member, then I became the executive director, yeah. uh, we advertised for a program officer. And we don't say women only, but I know that when. I don't even bother looking at the men's applicants. <laughs> because I was prejudiced. You know, I will be the first person to admit I was prejudiced because I kept thinking, oh no, men cannot do this work, right? And I was wrong. I was wrong, and I'll be the first person to admit I was wrong. And you know, right? there, the was, there was a person, uh, his name is Yu Ren Chung. He's now the deputy executive director of women's aid organization. Okay. Uh, of course, the, the, the executive director is a woman. Uh, you know, he's a deputy, and, um, you know, the, my, uh, my colleague was looking through all the applicant's assistance. Have a look at his application. He's really, he's very, very good. He's worked with women's groups. He's, he's, he seemed to be really mature, and he says he really wants to work on women's rights. And I said, okay, okay, never mind. All right, <laughs> I, 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 will, I will interview him. You know, I was so stubborn about it, and when he came for the interview, he really opened up my eyes
0: okay i see a
1: man who's standing in front of me who's sincere who's not going to use hierarchy because i'm asking questions like i don't want in a meeting where you are speaking all the time Mm. In any meeting men love to mansplain right i mean they like to take over the i "I do not want that kind of attitude he said no i'm not that kind of person so i had to really confront my own prejudices and Mm -hmm. now men are also working at women's aid organizations men are also working women's groups but I want to say that men involved in women's rights work, it's not just for women. They should be also doing it for themselves, for men. It helps. Yeah, it helps, yeah, it helps a lot. I mean, you, Because you're also freeing yourself. You know, yeah. the UN yeah. had this um, this tagline, he for she. Yeah. I have to say I hated hate hate that. I didn't want he for she. Please, please, can we go he for he? Can you please go and help you're meant for. You don't need to come and help me. Be with us, work with us. Yes, but don't go for, I'm here to protect you because my mother, my sister might be... Some- no, no, no. Please. You're go. doing it in another way. That's, that's wrong. track in a different way, right? Yeah. other <laughs> men. Go and tell men to stop being, you know, misbehaving. Men must speak up when they see something wrong very very often the bystander keeps silent you allow yeah. to get away yeah. right yeah. But even that is changing i think i think people ask that's
0: really right. good that's really good yeah. all right i mean it's been almost an hour i mean time really fly food yes.
1: um, inadequate yeah. and you couldn't stop me sorry if i kept jabbering
0: No, no, not if you want to say anything um just last oh, comments no. or anything about this
1: thank you very much for making this into a conversation you know into makes it
0: You're easy for ask questions that i am to Yeah, so so i, I think after talking to, uh, to you about this i think what what i what i've been seeing when i was researching you on the net uh, they they called you a pioneer in in muslim act in in um, in women's activism and i think they're right so very well deserved
1: <laughs> Thank you very much.
0: So um, I hope our viewers um, enjoyed this talk and benefited as much as I did. And uh, thank you so much, Ivy, for being our guest. And I promise you to um, you know, to have more uh, guest, uh, uh, women guests in my show, More Than Men. I have to work on this.
1: You have to work on that. <laughs> Only three out of 12. That's not good. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's not good at all. All right. Thank you very much. And goodbye. Thank you
1: for this opportunity to share my thoughts.